You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll begin reading in verse number 14. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 14. The Bible says, Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. We started last week in Ephesians 6, verse number 14, and talking about the breastplate of righteousness. We said, number one, that the breastplate has been provided. It's available. There is not a Christian here today that can leave this auditorium or leave where you're listening on the radio or online, and you can leave today and say, you know, I wish I had that piece of armor. I wish I had it, but I don't have it, and I don't have enough money, and I don't have enough experience, and I don't have enough degrees. No, it's available to every child of God. God has provided it. He says, here it is. You got to put it on. We said, number two, that the armor protects. Aren't you glad that anything God gives you, anything God ever makes and creates, you can expect it to work? You don't have to send it back. There, it's not a defective product. There's not a recall. There's not a, uh, uh, you know, a glitch in the system. It works. And God, God's people today, I want to tell you, if you'll put on the armor of God, you will find out it will work if you'll do it God's way. Uh, we think we know the best way and we're going to figure it out on our own. And after we fall flat on our face, we have to get back up and say, you know, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to put on the armor. It protects. It works. It, 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 it is a proven uh, to work in battle. And then thirdly, you just got to put it on. You can't leave it in the closet. You can't leave it in the car. Uh, you can't leave it on the, the hook outside the, uh, the, the entryway of your house. You got to put on the armor for it to do you any good. I'd like to look at today some practical uh, uh, pointers, if you will. It's all Bible. We've got a lot of Bible we're going to look at today. But here's some ways that you can put on the armor. Here's some reminders for you to help you to put on the armor every day. Uh, it's not enough just to leave and say, okay, I'm going to put it on. Well, you got to know what it is. You got to know how to do it. And so I want to share that with you today. We're going to look at a lot of passages of scripture. If you've got a Bible, uh, I encourage you to get it open and try to use it. If you're sitting by somebody who is better at turning pages, let them do it, you know, and especially if it's a hard passage to find, that way you can, you know, relax and let them do the work for you. But get your Bibles ready, and I want to look at what the Bible says about this topic, this subject of righteousness. We are to put on the breastplate of righteousness, and let's see what the Bible says about how to put that on. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts, and I pray that you would challenge us with your word. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not standing here today with my ideas or, or, or my philosophy or, or my experience. But, Lord, I'm coming to these dear folks this morning from the Word of God and on the authority of Scripture. 
I want to do my best to, to show all of us and remind all of us what it means to be righteous, what it means to be a godly Christian, what it means to be pure and to be holy. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I want you to uh, turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to look at a few verses in Psalms. We'll start with Psalm 23, a very familiar passage of Scripture. But I want you to look at Psalm 23 and verse number 3. The Bible says, the psalmist David is speaking, and he writes, he says that he, the, the, the shepherd, the Lord, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of what? Righteousness. Hey, this is what we're looking for. This is what we want. Okay, so how do you get on the path of righteousness? How do you find that road? How do you find that route? How do you get there? Well, can I tell you, it says in the, the, the verse tells us, you get on the path of righteousness as you're following the good shepherd. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just throw you out to the world and say, you're on your own. Hope you can figure it out. Hope you can make sense of it. I know it's kind of hard to figure out, but you, you're, you're going to have to do it yourself. I'm glad that we can follow the Lord. Have you ever been following someone on a road trip? You don't have to worry about the map. You don't have to worry about the directions. You don't have to worry about any of that. All you have to do is just stay behind the person you're following and hope that they don't forget you're following them, right? Aren't you glad God never forgets that you are following and he's leading? And aren't you glad that as he leads, he doesn't get too far ahead. He says, hey, I got a better idea. Why don't we walk side by side? Why don't we walk every step of the way together? He leadeth me, the Bible says, in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. But then look at verse 4. The Bible tells us that there will be some times that we're on the path of righteousness and the road is not smooth. How many of you have already figured that out, that the Christian life is not a guarantee your life is going to be easy? As a matter of fact, God never promised that. God never said that if you are a Christian that your life will be easy. On the contrary, God said, as a Christian, you will have difficulty. By the way, the unsaved people, the lost people, they have difficulties too. The difference is that we have someone to face the difficulties with. We've got grace. We've got power. We've got peace. We've got the, the power of God to go alongside of us. And David said, yea, though I walk while I'm on that path of righteousness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Can I tell you, if we're gonna put on the breastplate of righteousness, number one, we're gonna have to find the path of righteousness and we're gonna have to follow the Lord along that path. Hold your, you can keep your uh, uh, Bible open there in Psalms, but flip over, if you would, to uh, Psalm 16, back a couple pages. Psalm 16, David wrote, and he said, Thou wilt show me the path of life. Who's going to show us the path? Who's going to show us how to walk? God will. He will show us the path of life. In his presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Look at Psalm 25. Psalm 25, verse number four, David says, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. 
Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. David says, Lord, I need you to show me. I need you to teach me. God, I need you to help me. I can't figure out my path on my own, but Lord, I need you to lead me in the path of righteousness. Notice with me Psalm 27, verse number 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Can I tell you, that ought to be our prayer. Lord, make it clear. Make it plain. Uh, help me to know the way that I'm supposed to go. Uh, Lord, help the signs to be well posted. Help the signs to be well lit. Lord, show me your way. Show me your path. And then look at one more passage here in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. David says, Psalm 119, 105. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know how you're going to stay in the path of righteousness? You're going to have to get the lamp out. You're going to have to have the lamp show you every step of the way because this world, can I tell you, it's a confusing place to live. This world, it seems like people have lost their minds and people have lost their, their compass and people have lost their way. But as Christians, we have not only the roadmap, but we've got the light that shows us the path of our feet. Number one, we see the path of righteousness. If you're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, you got to stay on the path. Number two, I want you to notice with me in the book of Jeremiah. If you'll go through it from Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, and then you see Jeremiah chapter nine. We see not only the path of righteousness, but the pleasing of righteousness. I know we're turning to a lot of pages, a lot of places, but thank you for turning. Uh, it encourages me. I want you to see this. And by the way, not just this Sunday, but every time that somebody's up here preaching, you ought to look at the scripture and you ought to make sure that what the preacher's saying up here matches what the scripture says right here. Because uh, this is the truth in the word of God. Jeremiah 9, 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. That's interesting. You know why you can't glory in your wisdom? Because someday you're going to lose it. Some of you are thinking, I've already lost it. I feel like I've lost my mind already today, you know. Uh, someday you're not going to know what in the world's going on. Uh, don't glory in your wisdom. The Bible says, let not the mighty man glory in his might. You know why? Because someday you're not going to have that strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Say, Pastor, I, I am there. I've already lost the riches. They've already gone. Uh, but if they haven't gone yet, can I tell you, one of these days, your riches will be gone. Uh, and even if you keep them until the day you die, the day you die, you aren't taking them with you. I'll promise you that. So we don't boast in things that are temporal. We don't glory in those things. But verse 24 says, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and what's the next word? Righteousness in the earth for in these things. I delight, saith the Lord. You know, sometimes we, we try to figure out how can I please somebody? Uh, how can I please my wife? Or how can I please my children? Or, or how can I please my boss? Or how can I please my coworkers? Or, or what can I do for somebody that they like? And we're getting up on Christmas and some people are harder to buy for than others maybe. And I don't know what to get so-and-so. Well, I want to tell you, God gives us in this verse 
some things that he loves, some things that he delights in, some things that please him. God says that he delights in loving kindness, he delights in judgment, and he delights in righteousness. You want to know how to please God? Live a life that is righteous. Live a life that is holy. That pleases God. Now, I know what God hates. The Bible says God hates lying lips. God hates a proud look. God hates feet that are swift and running to mischief. And he that soweth discord among the brethren, God hates those things. But God loves it when we do what is right. Number one, the path of righteousness. Number two, the pleasing of righteousness. Number three, I want you to see quickly, the planting of righteousness. Turn with me, please, to the book of Hosea. Hosea is in the Minor Prophets, uh, right after the book of uh, Daniel. You'll find the Minor Prophets, and you'll find the book of Hosea right after Daniel. Hosea chapter 10. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about the planting of righteousness? Well, Hosea 10 verse 12 the Bible says that we are to sow, we are to plant to ourselves in righteousness. Then we reap in mercy. It goes on to say, break up your fallow ground. Uh, fallow ground is not just ground that is, is hard necessarily, but it's ground that had been tilled, but then it was left to sit, and so it began to harden again on the top. Well, you got to go back and you got to break that up. You got to till it says, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and reign, R-A-I-N, reign righteousness upon you. So you see the analogy here. Righteousness is likened to farming. Now, I'm not a farmer. Uh, I'm not even a gardener. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to do that stuff, but I know enough. You're going to be very impressed this morning with, with, with my, my expertise and my vast knowledge of, of, of uh, farming. Number one, I know this. You got to have some seeds, right? Am I right about that? Whew, one for one, aren't you impressed? So far, I'm, I'm batting a thousand. You got to have some seeds, I know that. You get the seeds in the ground, and then you got to have some rain, right? You got to have some rain. Well, here it says, so in righteousness... And then it says, till he, that is God, till he comes and he rains righteousness upon you. But then it, it seems like from science class, it seems like there's something else you got to have. Don't you have to have a little bit of sunshine? Does that help? Does that help things grow? I kid you not. As I was reading this verse uh, some time ago, I was reading this verse. I, I, I was drawn to a passage in Malachi because I was studying this word righteousness. And I couldn't believe just how God put it together. But in Malachi chapter 4, you can turn there if you want to, you don't have to. Malachi 4, verse number 2, the Bible talks about when Jesus comes. And the Bible says that when he comes, he will be called the son of righteousness. And I'm not talking about S-O-N, although we know he is the son of God and he is God the son. But it says that he is the son of righteousness, S-O-N. U-N. And you know what else I know about the sun? We couldn't live without the sun. We would not be here if it weren't for the sun. Praise God for the sunshine. Well, guess what? You're not going to see anything grow without some sunshine. And the Bible says that you're sowing seeds of righteousness and God is pouring out rain of righteousness upon you. 
And then the sun of righteousness, Jesus Christ, shines upon your life. And guess what you have after those three things work together? You've got a harvest. And you reap what you sow. Now, I, I'm saying this this morning not to give you a farming lesson. I'm saying this to give you encouragement for life. Because sometimes I think we feel like we sow and we sow and we work and we work and we labor and we labor and we see nothing from it. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I try to read my Bible every day. I try to pray every day. I, I try to serve God. I try to give and I try to help others and I try to encourage others and I, I try to live right and I try to live pure and I try to live holy. And it seems like I'm not seeing the result of that. It seems like I'm not seeing the blessings from that. Well, you don't always see it right away. But God's word still says that we should not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Can I tell you, don't get weary of putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Don't get weary of doing what's right and living for God. Stay after it because harvest day is coming. Hallelujah for that. Number one, we see the path of righteousness. Two, the pleasing. Number three, the planting. Number four, I see the passion of righteousness. Matthew 5, verse number six, in the Beatitudes, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. And the promise is made that they shall be what? They'll be filled. You know why we're not filled? You know why we don't get the blessing of God sometimes? I'm afraid it's because we're not hungry for it. We're not thirsty for it. I, I, I gave this example earlier in the, in the service, and I'll, I'll give it again. But, you know, sometimes, our, and my wife does such a good job with our children, with their meals and all that, but sometimes the children, they're not hungry for the meal because they've been getting snacks somewhere. They've been getting candy and they've been getting crackers and they've been getting cookies or whoever, whatever else. I, I gave that illustration and as I was giving that illustration, it was like the Holy Spirit said, well, what about you, Jeremy? Because I've got a stash right now of Heath candy bars and Reese's cups and kettle cooked jalapeno chips that are incredible. And can I tell you, if you eat too much of that, you're not hungry for lunch, right? You're not hungry for dinner. And how many of you know you can have a meal out of those things, but it's not very good for you? Well, you know why, as Christians, you know why some people aren't hungry for the house of God? You know why some people aren't hungry for Bible reading and prayer? You know why, why some people aren't hungry for revival? It's because we have been filled with the things of this world all week, that our appetite has been ruined. Have you, you, remember, you remember in the olden days, I say the olden days and I'm, I'm aging myself, but you remember the olden days when you'd be out working in a field somewhere in the, in the, in the heat of summer and you didn't have uh, access to uh, water? You say, well, you had the hose. Well, there, I remember times where I didn't even have a, a hose. I, I would have I gladly, and I did many times, drink water out of a hose. And once you let that run a little bit, it tastes good, doesn't it? 
It's cold. Boy, it tastes good. Uh, children today know nothing about that. You know, everything's got to be, you know, you got to have bottled water or whatever. But I want to tell you, when you get real thirsty and you're out in the sun and you're out working and you have no water and you're thinking, I need some water. And boy, that water tastes so good, doesn't it? On a hot day when you've gone a while without it and you take a drink of that water, you're thirsting for that. I want to tell you, we need some Christians today that'll get thirsty for God. We need, and you say, well, pastor, what if I read my Bible too much? Or what if I pray too much? Does that mean I'm not going to need God anymore? Oh, no. The more you get of God, the more you want. The more you get of God, the more you taste of God, the more you desire to have that in your life. But there must be a passion for righteousness. Number five, quickly, the protection of righteousness. It says in 2 Corinthians 6 that we are to put on the armor of righteousness. Righteousness will protect you. Can I tell you, when you don't put on and when I don't put on the armor of righteousness, we are opening ourselves up for the attacks and the onslaught of the devil. You've got to put on the protection and righteousness will protect you. Number six, turn with me if you would to 1 Timothy in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter six. We see the pursuit of righteousness. 1 Timothy 6 and verse number 9, the Bible says, But they that will be rich, or they that desire to be rich, they fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, Flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. You know what's amazing is as I was reading that list, that's a pretty serious list. It says foolish and hurtful lusts and destruction and perdition. And it says that some have actually erred from the faith. There are some people that because of this, they got away from the Bible you say, what was it? Oh, I bet it was something really bad. I bet it was murder. Oh, I bet, I bet they were stealing. I bet they were committing adultery. I bet they were, oh, no, 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 that's not what it says. It says these things came about because somebody got so lustful for money. They got so desirous of possessions and money and earthly things that they actually got away from God and destroyed their life. I want to remind you this morning, there is nothing wrong with having money, but there is everything wrong when money has you. When the desire for riches, the love of money, when that gets a hold of you, you are in trouble. The Bible says, flee these things, and it says to follow after righteousness. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we see not only the pursuit of righteousness, but the purity of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says, flee also youthful lusts. This is talking about immoral lusts. And by the way, this is true whether it is an unmarried person or a married person, but someone who has a desire for that which they should not these youthful lusts. The Bible says, you better flee away from that. You better run from that. So, well, pastor, 
I, I try to run from those things, but I get away from that and I, I find myself wanting to go back to those things, whether it's uh, fornication, whether it's adultery, whether it's pornography, whatever it is, and you get away from it, you say, I see myself, I see what I left, and I have a desire to go back. Well, guess why? Because we still have a sinful nature. And we still have a, a human nature, and the human nature desires the sin. So you say, I get away from that, but how do I keep from going back? Well, it says it in 2 Timothy 2, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So you got to flee those things, but you got to find something else to be busy with. You got to find something else to follow. You got to get on a path of righteousness so that you can flee the path of sin. There's purity. Number eight, the prophet of righteousness is found in 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Can I tell you, there's a great benefit when you get in this book. This book provides the instructions that we need for living. Hebrews 11 talks about the purpose of righteousness, who through faith wrought righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 2 talks about the plan of righteousness, that we should be dead to sins and we should live unto righteousness. 1 Peter chapter 3, turn with me if you would to 1 Peter, it's after Hebrews and James and right before you get to 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you'll find 1st and 2nd Peter. Notice 1 Peter chapter 3. The Bible tells us that there's a price for righteousness. It says in 1 Peter 3, 14, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. Can I tell you, sometimes you'll do what's right, maybe at, at the workplace. You'll do what's right. And you'll have a coworker, or you'll have a friend maybe, and they'll come and say, hey, I figured it out. I found out how we can work the system. I found out how we can cheat on this or how we can take some of this. I found out how we can do this. Hey, this is great. And you say, I'm not doing that. Because that's wrong. <laughs> that is not right. And you say, I'm not doing that. And then that person says, oh, okay, well, fine, goody two-shoes. Who do you think you are? And that person goes and they go to the boss and they, they lie about you. That person goes to the boss and they try to hurt you. They try to get you fired. And you say, I was just trying to do what was right. Well, guess what? There will be a price sometimes. There will be a cost for righteousness. But I'll tell you, it's worth it to live for God because there's coming a day when we're going to stand before a judgment seat of Christ and it'll all be sorted out and it'll all be taken care of on that day. There's a price. I want you to notice there's the power of righteousness in Revelation 19. Jesus comes and he has the name faithful and true. And the Bible says in righteousness he doth judge and make war and he will prevail. I'm glad we are on the winning side. There's power. In righteousness. But I'll give you one more thought and we'll be done. Second Peter chapter 2. I see the preaching of righteousness. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5. The Bible says, and 
God spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of what? Righteousness. Bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example and an example unto those that after should live ungodly. We see the preaching of righteousness was done by a man named Noah. You know, Noah preached righteousness for 120 years. That wasn't just one sermon. You know, he kind of broke it up a little bit. But he preached for 120 years and he preached righteousness. Now, this is strange to me. Only seven other people believed it and got on the ark. And everybody else was destroyed by the judgment of God. Not like that today, is it? You know, I don't go to a lot of uh, sporting events. I don't go to a lot of games. I watch some of them on television. But I know on Saturdays and Sundays, there's a lot of stadiums. You know what I see from just from my observation? They're packed. And by the way, last time I checked, they're not free to get in either, are they? I think they actually, they charge more at the door than we charge at the door, I think. I need to check with our ushers and... But you know what's amazing? The stadiums are packed every weekend. How are the churches doing? I thank the Lord for Victory Baptist Church. I thank the Lord we had, I don't know, I guess over 100 for the early service we usually do. And we have this service, which we're not packed, but we're comfortably full. And we've got the junior churches and the nurseries, and we've got the bus services, and we had all the Sunday school classes. But I challenge you, this week to maybe ask your coworkers, ask your friends, don't, don't do it in a way that they would at all have feelings hurt or anything, but just ask them how it went Sunday. You know, most churches on Sundays are far from full. Many churches sit empty while the stadiums are packed. You say, why is that? Here's why. Because what we preach is righteousness. What we preach is what thus saith the Lord. And not everybody's going to like it. But can I tell you this? When the flood came, those people were wishing that they would have listened. When that flood came and that door of the ark was shut, all those people were wishing they would have responded to the preaching of righteousness. Now I want to tell you, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. But I want to tell you, let's not ever get tired of hearing about the righteousness of God. Let's not ever get tired about hearing about the word of God, which is our instruction in righteousness, because there's coming a day when that trumpet sounds and we're out of here, that there's going to be an entire world of people that are going to wish they would have responded while they still had a chance. And let's do all we can while we have time to keep telling people the good news. Let's keep sharing the gospel. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a preacher. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And pastor, you're a preacher, but, but I'm not a preacher. So what am I supposed to do? You actually, I think, I think probably have something better you can do than preach a sermon. You can preach a sermon with your life. 
I've read this before. It's been a few years ago, but it's called Sermons We See. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eye is a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you in the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.